listening to Law and Gospel on this Open Mic Friday, May the 10th in the year of our Lord, 2019. What does that mean? It means that you can phone me, Tom Baker, on Law and Gospel here in St. Louis. The number is 821-0850. And long distance, toll free, is one 800 7302727 We've been told that people can call us even from Canada but it depends on what phone system you're on as to whether the 800 number will get you through but for sure you can phone the 3148210850 number and that will get you through now, if you were listening to yesterday's Rumination Thursday with Wes Reimnitz, we were really replying to emails. For some reason, we've just been getting a lot of emails from folks. And remember, when you send your email in, I'll make a decision as to whether or not we'll reply on Open Mic Friday or any other time, or whether I'll phone you. Some emails are necessary for me to give you a ring to see exactly what you are asking and so i'll make that decision i do not respond in emails i could be doing that 24 hours a day because i'll respond and people will say well that was a good answer it's just not what i asked so a phone number is necessary and then we'll go ahead on open mic friday so without further ado here's an email for Open Mic Friday. Hi, Pastor Baker. First of all, let me say how much I love your program, the great insights you provide, and the fun you always have with Pastor Smith and Reimnitz. Oh, so I give insights and they create fun. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> but we do have a lot of fun with those two. I'm listening to the podcast of today's broadcast, and you mentioned how the Garden of Eden can be seen as a back taste of heaven. I was wondering if you could elaborate on that for a few minutes for Open Mic Friday. Uh, thanks and God bless. Okay. I don't know of anybody who ever told me that the Garden of Eden was a back taste. I came up with it when a lot of people talk about that the Lord's Supper is a foretaste of heaven. What do we mean by a foretaste of something? Well, if you've been married, you probably went to the place where you're going to have the reception, and they gave you all kinds of maybe cookies and cakes that you would be able to scrunch on in order to decide, what am I going to have at the reception? So they were kind of a foretaste of what was going to happen at the reception once you made your choice. The Lord's Supper is kind of like that because in the Lord's Supper, we do something that no high priest in the Old Testament ever did. He could go into the Holy of Holies, but of course he could not receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And yet in the Lord's Supper, that's how close Jesus comes to us in having us orally receive through our mouth his body and his blood under the forms of bread and wine. And that's kind of a foretaste of what heaven is going to be like where we're going to be before Jesus all the time. 
Well, the reason I mentioned that the Garden of Eden is a back taste, think about the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve were walking around. They were talking with God. Uh, they had no real work to do. That was the curse that came after they sinned. Work replaced play and worship and relaxation so that I believe heaven is going to be like that. We're not going to have to be spending long hours during the hot day putting together a garden. The gardens are just going to be there. The food is going to be there. And we're just going to have a blissful time. Very little is said about the Bible as to the conditions of heaven. But it certainly seems to be very close to the Garden of Eden, particularly when you take a look at the book of Revelation. Guess what's in the new heaven? The tree of life that was in the Garden of Eden, which we'll be able to receive and therefore live forever. Remember, that was one of the reasons that God removed Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden so they would not eat from the tree of life and live forever. Now, that would have been terrible because now that sin had taken place, living forever, you would just get older and older and more incapacitated and that would be a horrible existence. So God removed them from the Garden of Eden. They could not eat of the tree of life. Therefore, the life came to them through faith in Jesus Christ so that when they die, they're in eternal life as a continuation of their life here on earth in the Holy Christian Church. So that's how I understood when I said the Garden of Eden is like a back taste of heaven and the Lord's Supper is a foretaste of heaven. Okay, uh, we've got more emails, but I do take phone calls uh, ahead of emails. And so we're going to go and talk to our good friend, Mike. Hi, Mike. You're on the air. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing good. That's good. Um. I, uh, I I think I have an example of Scripture interpreting Scripture. In, uh, I, I, in the Galatians chapter 3, verse 16, and the King James Version says, Now to Abraham and his seed, which is singular, were promises made, he saith not and two seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So... Were the word seed used as singular with Abraham, that is code for Christ. Now I'll put the theory to the um, to the test. I go this is I go to Genesis chapter twenty two, verse eighteen. And it says, And to thy seed, which is singular, all nations will be blessed. And this is this is Abraham's seed in the singular, which is code for Christ, again. Which is code for Christ, I mean. So I would say what that means is that the nations became blessed, I mean, blessed by Christians, uh, by Christian civilization, you know, beginning with the Roman Empire and the Holy Roman Empire, and then Christian civil, uh, civilization spread to all of Europe. And then you had the Spanish Empire where Christianity spread to Latin America. And then the British Empire spread Christian civilization to the United States. 
And I think that's like one of the meanings of it. What do you think? Yeah, I think you've got a good insight there. There's even a book written about how Christianity, when it goes into various countries, things really begin to change. Mm -hmm. First of all, hospitals are created, which are areas where people are helped, even though they didn't even build a hospital. And the worth of women rises in those cultures where Christianity comes in contrast to women just being considered as servants or slaves and without much moral value at all. Right. So I think you made a very good point, Mike, and I appreciate your call. Okay, thanks. Thank you very much for calling. Boy, we've got some great listeners who can understand the Bible. And what he was talking about, Scripture interprets Scripture. You see, if I say I have seed that I have in my hand right now, you have no idea, because of the word seed in the English, whether I have one grain or 5,000 grains, you know, of of a plant. Because the word seed can refer to one or many. So it's very important that Scripture interprets Scripture where it distinctly talks about, and, and Mike did a great job there, in Genesis 2, the seed, and Galatians 3 specifically is said to be in the singular. And I think that's a real helpful thing to know. I mean, I'm doing sermons right now on Revelation And I believe Revelation is really easy to understand if you know the code, which is the Old Testament. So once you get to understand the Old Testament, a lot of Revelation becomes very clear because it's just quoting what is going on in the Old Testament. All right, let's go back to the phone lines and talk with James. You're on the air. Hello, Pastor. Hi. Hi. I'd like for you to take a look at uh, Psalms 107. Uh, verses 17 through 21, and uh, give me your take on that. And I'd like to know, can faith deteriorate? Can faith deteriorate? Let me answer that one first. Uh, James, do you ever sin? Yes. Faith deteriorates. (laughs) Any other questions? Well, well, is there... Well, of course, uh, <laughs> faith deteriorates. <laughs> Did all right? I'll ask another question. Did okay. Jesus' faith ever deteriorate? No. Thank you. <laughs> you already knew the answer to these questions. No, no, no. But we're these are questions that have been asked, and I, I want to give the proper application. So, if if faith, you say faith can't deteriorate. So, is there an, no? Uh, it can deteriorate. It can. It can it become can weak. Deteriorate. We call it, it weak faith. Okay. Okay. That's the way of applying it. Yes. So is there an, uh, an account where there is an insidious progression from faith to sin? Oh, scripture? absolutely. Um, do you ever hear of David and Bathsheba? Yes, ma'am. Well, there's a good example where David was king. He was tremendously faithful. In fact, later on, the Bible says he was faithful in everything except in the case with Bathsheba. 
And so there he looked. He saw a good-looking woman. And, of course, one thing followed another. He ended up murdering her husband, etc., etc. So his faith definitely diminished until the prophet came to him and said, Thou art the man who has stolen, you know, that nice lamb from another neighbor. And David said, I have sinned against the Lord. And it was at that point repentance came to him and he received the gift of the forgiveness of sins where Nathan the prophet tells him he will not die because of that sin, die eternally. So there is an insidious progression uh, towards faith. Yes, every time I sin, I'm breaking the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods. I make myself God. And it may start off with a thought, and then I may do an action. Like, for example, I'm trying to get to KFUO, and there's a little traffic jam. But if I uh, maybe just go by the traffic jam on the street and go up on the sidewalk, I'll get to KFUO okay. And I say, well, that's see, that's how my thought progresses. And then when the policeman pulls me over, I say, well, I, I lost control of my steering, <laughs> which is another sin. <laughs> okay, okay. So I can see that. That's great. Uh, uh, I can use uh, David and, and Samson if we're talking about a... a oh, wow, yeah. yes, yes. Okay. Will you take a look at that 107, 17 through 21 and give us your thoughts, please? I shall. Thank you very Thank much you. for calling. Okay. Let me read it, first of all, 17 through 21. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquity suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. Now, I'm going to answer that question and reply to it. Uh, the way Mike started us off today in talking about Scripture, interpret Scripture. Can I think of any place where some became fools through their sinful ways and because of their iniquities suffered affliction? They loathed any kind of food and they drew near to the gates of death. If you want to see a number of examples of that, you just have to read the book of Judges. Because in the book of Judges, uh, this is before David, <clears throat> excuse me, was made king or Saul, the people became very foolish through their sinful ways. They actually began to worship other gods, Israel. And then they suffered all kinds of affliction. Nations would be going to war against them and winning. And so, verse 19, they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And guess what? He delivered them from their distress. Uh, for example, you mentioned Samson. Uh, he was one that was delivered the people from their distress. As uh, In fact, there was even a woman judge who helped them. And, and so it would say, then they had 40 years of peace, or they had 60 years of peace, or how much peace they had after a judge would come forward and deliver them. It was really God delivering them, but he was doing it through a judge. Then they would sin again, and they would again have affliction. And therefore, they would cry to the Lord in their trouble. And he sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. So this is a good example of what has happened over the centuries here on earth. 
people have fallen from the Lord, they get great distress. This also happens in an individual life. Like I was joking about driving up on the sidewalk in order to get to KFUO on time. Well, what if I hit somebody? Then I'd be arrested. And boy, depending on the injuries of the person I hit, I could be in jail for some time. In other words, that's where I'm suffering affliction due to my own sin. Now, of course, in jail, I would pray for help from the Lord, and he would deliver me, not so much that I'd get out of jail, but he would deliver me by giving me the strength to cope with what is happening. I just saw a great movie. Uh, It's called The Killings, and it's got about... 12 parts. I haven't quite finished it. I kind of look at each 45 minutes, maybe once a day. But um, the daughter of this this man, this husband, uh, was kidnapped and killed. And he thought that the police were after this one guy, didn't have enough evidence. So he went out and beat him up. And then he was ending up in jail and found out that he was not the individual who had killed his daughter. And the family was broken up. The kids were broken up. It was just horrible. All of the affliction that had occurred to him because he had done the damage of taking revenge outside of the law. Uh, And it was an innocent man. So you can see this on TV all the time. Or you can just read it in the newspapers of the individuals that end up in horrible situations. So I appreciate, James, that call, and I hope Judges is a good example of what you were asking about. Uh, Let me get to another email, though. Uh, This is um, an individual who wrote the following. Hi, Pastor Baker. I was reading in Genesis where God made all the plants and vegetation and trees with fruit for all living creatures. Then after the fall, I read where God clothes Adam and Eve with animal skins. I take this to mean that before the fall, there was no death at all. Animals were not slaughtered, and all creation was in complete harmony. I have a Lutheran study Bible, and this is what the notes seem to suggest. If you can please give your thoughts. Now, I'm going to go back once more. Uh, to our good friend Mike, who started us off with Scripture Interprets Scripture. And I would encourage you to turn to Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Listen to this. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. So, verse 14 goes on. This is Romans 5. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. And that, of course, is talking about Jesus Christ. So, There and there are a number of other passages that we can point to that until sin occurred, death did not occur. Now, why is that important? Because I already have talked about how the Garden of Eden was a kind of a a back taste of heaven where everything was going 
perfectly. You don't ever read in the Garden of Eden before the fall of Adam and Eve into sin that they had to run away from a lion or that they were afraid of being bit by a snake. In fact, remember, the devil appeared in the form of a serpent and Eve had no trouble talking with him and was convinced by him to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which caused sin. So we believe, teach, and confess, and that's why we're so against evolution, that there was no death of animals, uh, living human beings, until after the fall into sin. And that's kind of important to understand, because if there was death, and heaven is described like the Garden of Eden, then what's heaven going to be like? Is there going to be death in the Garden of Eden? No. You, you even take a look at prophets like Isaiah, etc., where it talks about ferocious animals will be beside little children, like uh, snakes that are poisonous. Uh, they'll be able to play with them and this kind of thing in heaven. So it's a return to the Garden of Eden where there is no death. The death is really hell. Because what death is, from God's point of view, is his separation from the living. And that can occur right now here on earth. Jesus refers to unbelieving leaders in Judaism as the walking dead. They, they think they're alive. They look to their works. That's why they're going to be saved. They are not. So I would say that uh, the individual who wrote me this is correct and that the Lutheran Study Bible and its notes are correct in talking about that death did not occur until after the fall of man into sin. In fact, uh, here's the notes from the Bible I'm looking at put out by Concordia Publishing House. Death is a consequence of sin. And there was no sin in God's perfect creation until the fall of Adam. Parents have transmitted mortality to their children since the fall. Adam's fall brought sin to all humanity. We inherited his guilt and the desire to sin. So it's really kind of important that Paul here is confronting us with the reality of original sin and our guilt. In fact, in the Confessions, it reads this. This hereditary sin is such a deep corruption of nature that no reason can understand it. Rather, it must be believed from the revelation of Scripture. Now, what does that mean for today? I can't tell you how many people think that newborn children are innocent, that they're really not sinners. And if you ask any parents who have a, a child, ask them this question, uh, how long did it take before you began to realize that your child was a sinner? Uh, maybe it's because he won't obey you to eat the food that you're giving him or he's giving you a struggle all the time when you're trying to change him or this sort of thing. 
It would be interesting to have been around Mary and Jesus after he was born. Uh, whether or not how he acted was any different, I, I believe it would be, because he would not have been ever acting in the sinful way in front of his neighbors or any friends he might have had, etc. He did not take sin upon himself, if you'll recall, until he was baptized by John the Baptizer. In order to fulfill all righteousness, he underwent a baptism of repentance because what he was doing was being baptized for us. And so just as death was brought by one man, guess what? Verse 18 goes on, as one trespass, that's Adam's, led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. And that's, of course, what Jesus did. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. And that's verse 19 of Romans 5. Well, on Monday, we're going to kind of continue what we're preaching on this Sunday, Jesus as a good shepherd. How is he the good shepherd? Monday's readings, which are for the following Sunday of Easter, help us explain how Jesus continues to become the good shepherd. So join with us on Monday's Law and Gospel. God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.